Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about my film pick of the week, Shivers, directed by David Cronenberg from the year 1975. So we're jumping back into the time machine for this one, folks. But first, before we get into all that, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gulfie Keith. Everything is sexual. It's all sexual. This lamp is sexual. Uh, My TV is sexual. Oh. This, this, this oh, lizard that I'm looking at yeah. right now, it's sexual. Oh. Baby Yoda is mm. sexual. I'm so horny. What is going on, everybody? <laughs> oh, you're going to make me come? No, no, no. All right. No, you edged me there. Okay. Sorry. No, I got edged out. Okay. <laughs> I'm a fucking edge queen. <laughs> Girl. That didn't come out right. <laughs> I was so ready to go because everything is sexual. I was like, I'm looking at the floor, and I'm like, I want to hump you. I'm like, no, we're going to get into it. We're going to find out what's sexual later on. So. <laughs> we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, but Prince of Amor's Day, the mad monkey. Get sexy with the monkey. Oh, yes, baby. We're getting down with that Canadian funk of the 70s, a funk where everything is avocado green and golden rod. You know what time it is, baby, so slip those headphones on and prepare yourself for the funk and spunk of Talking Terror as we come in your ears for the next two hours with horror news, nerdgasms, and a movie review done the only way Talking Terror can. So make sure you listen live, like, and subscribe of Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby. What's up, our family? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> a lot of goldenrod, a lot of avocado, and a lot of wood paneling. That's the 70s. Oh, dude. Wood paneling, oh, avocado, yeah. goldenrod. Yeah. You can never have enough wood because, paneling. Because, because it's hot. It's sexy. Yeah. we get It's that. sexy. That, you, just, that, you just want to touch it. That wood paneling. Mm, yeah. You want to have a tea party to just I get down. Currently, because the bedroom <laughs> in the house that we live in is is firmly rooted in the 70s. If it wasn't for painting some of the other walls, they would be all over the place. The bedroom definitely has wood paneling still. Oh, dude, every I, time we go up to no bedroom. Like <laughs> my whole apartment was like that shit. Yeah, King Salt, when we first moved in, man, it was literally bright porn yellow and wood paneling. And uh, <laughs> and we were like, fuck this. We painted everything. Landlord walked in. He's, he's like, what you do? It's painted. It looks good. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you fucking think? <laughs> every time you walk into the room, all of a sudden the shaft theme plays. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta get rid of this wood paneling, dude. Every single time Isaac Hayes has to start singing every time I walk in the room. <laughs> exactly. Shut your mouth. You damn right. Like, Who's the cool guy? I'm already talking about shit, babe. Cool. I gotta get rid of the seventies wood paneling. It's too sexy in here. It's so yeah, down. yeah. 
Yeah, we we couldn't handle it, man. I had to cover that wood paneling up, man. I just like kept, you know, banging the diva through through the the walls of the wood paneling because it was just so hot, man. You know, <laughs> like like you couldn't help it. She was just stroking that handlebar mustache, ah, like Sex Panther. <laughs> yeah, work seventy percent of the time. Like every time. Everybody's got a <laughs> gift. Mine's just a big, beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. It's my big dick, Jack. It's my big dick, and I'll fuck Whoa. him when it's time to fuck. It's my time. I want to fuck right now, Jack. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> Fucking love that movie. We're going to be rocking and rolling in the new year. Ow! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Take so, are we still waiting on someone to uh, be on call here, or is he like in a teacher conference? Oh, no, he is here. That's these largely educated, highly opinionated, demonic dean himself, everybody. Woo. <laughs> Good evening. Yes. <laughs> is he here? Hey. What does that mean? Talking terror. <laughs> He was waiting for the sexual energy to die down before he walked into the room. I'm rattling the walls with my cage. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> the goons have to go, folks. Calm down, my head. Get, get my out of my cage, up, bro. Chill. <laughs> and I'm what doing, doing just fine. What are you doing in my cage, Dean? <laughs> See, he's ready to go. He's off the races, so... You know, while, he, while he rattles his cage, does anybody have anything they want to talk about before we let him out of that cage, ready to fight? Look out, world. I, I, would, I do have a small thing I'd like to talk about in nerd news because King Ahar, who is so fucking awesome, went ahead and put up an article on the Talking Care Facebook page about my most – because last week we talked about the Voltron stuff and our favorite 80s robots. And it just so happens that on the Talking Terror page is an article about my my favorite of the, the big robots of the 80s. And once again, they are trying to bring Robotech back out of production hell. Uh, they're trying to turn it into a live-action film. This is really fucking cool. They are tapping Ry Thomas, who directed a lot of the episodes for the Hawkeye series for Disney+. Plus. And this project is also teamed up with Harmony Gold. So, therefore, you know that this is actually tapping into the right places because they're the ones who have the rights, you know. And just like Voltron in the 80s and shit like that, um, Robotech ran on and is still running on for a shitload of episodes. But the original run, you know, like the Ghoul and I talked about with Voltron, was three shows that had nothing to do with each other. They just took them, grabbed them up, um, rewrote shit, and tried to kind of turn them into, you know, a, a long-running story that was kind of kind of tied in. But anyway, the original series of 36 episodes, which is the Macross saga, that's the one about the planes turning into robots. That is my go-to of the Robotech series, um, and that's the one they're looking at turning into a live-action project. So I'm very, very stoked if this actually comes to fruition. Cool. I can uh, I can 100% support that. I, uh, you know what? As a kid, I, I like flitted around Robotech. It was like one of those where I liked the toys a lot better than I liked the show. The show seemed a little daunting and too complicated to get involved with, and I could never really find it uh, like regularly. 
on uh, whatever channels they, they, they played it on. It was something, and maybe that's because I didn't have cable. Um, that was something that, like, I, I could find more about when I'd, like, hit the local flea market in Staten Island and shit like that. But on the toy side, man, I fucking loved my Robotech toys. I think I only had, like, two or three of them. But, dude, that motherfucker stayed in half-plane, half-robot mode all the time because it was just all badass <laughs> like that. Fucking could run around <laughs> and shoot its fucking weapons and its missiles and shit, and then if I had to, it was just a quick flip of the legs to get that damn thing out of Dodge to, to safety, man. And yes, all of this was <laughs> happening within the imagination of my own mind, but damn, was it fun having it. Um, yeah, so I, I would love to see a live action of it, because you know what, going in for me, it would probably, like, you know, maybe it would be something that like the longtime fans would probably hate or, or maybe dislike, but for me, it would be so fresh that, like, I think if they were just able to present it in a really pretty fashion, I'd be like, greatest tech movie ever, man, yeah! <laughs> yeah, um, I'm the same way where it's like, you know, I, I'm a fan, but I'm not a super hardcore fan where it's like, you know, this is a storyline you have to follow just because there's so many variants and, you know, through the generations of Robotech, and, you know, it just keeps evolving. So, it's just, you know, it's a wide universe they can play with. You know, there there's lots of places where they can go. It's just all pretty much just got to be based about playing turn into robots. But they can pretty much go anywhere with it. You know, just give us a good, you know, action movie like we said uh, the other week with Voltron. Big robots fighting big shit, blowing shit up, and let's do it and let's not just have a lot of convoluted story. Let's just have fun with it. And that's in my closet. Here it comes. <laughs> what? No, excuse me. Oh, there oh, you go. Well, fruits. He's so excited that he's just passing gas. I mean, that's great. That's because of how excited he is. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I guess here. so. What a shitty thing to say, Ghoul. I, hey, listen. Now, he's just so excited. You have to let it out. Teach your truth, Teach your truth. Fucking Robotech fucking got me, man. My fucking heart. I can't I can't I can't I can't deal with it. The trumpets. Yep, there it is. We got it. So with that being said with Robotech, uh unless anybody else has anything you want to talk about, I'm gonna hand it over to the Dean for some hard news. Oh, thank you so much for handing it over to me, uh, to talk about these things. Um, Most welcome. What should we talk about first? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that energy, Dean. Okay, let's talk about birth. (laughs) Talk about what? Talk about birth. Birds? Birth. Birth? I don't have any information about the birds. Bird birth? No. Bird, bird, bird. Bird is a word. So, but I can tell you that if you are a fan of wolves, and we're one of the people oh. on uh, on uh, Peacock to watch Josh Gad and Isla Fisher in the season one of Wolf Like Me. Uh, you would be pleased to learn uh, that this horror uh, comedy did well enough for Peacock that they have ordered up a second season. Uh, you know, working with the classic premise of Two people uh, brought together in uh, extraordinary circumstances that uh, become drawn to each other, uh, but there is a twist. Uh, 
so Josh <gasps> Gad and Ice Fish are returning for Wolf Like <laughs> Me Season place. 2 of their Peacock Horror Series. Mm. Uh, nope. I didn't watch a single episode. <laughs> nope, because I hate Josh Gad. So I'm not giving any of my attention to Josh Gad, so no, I've never watched it. Why do you hate Josh Gad? We've been over this. Like, we've talked about this on I the don't show before. I just can't stand ever it. We're going over this before. I don't recall this ever coming up, King. Oh, no, we have. I, I know specifically because the ghoul was like, he's pretty cool. I like him. I'm like, no, fuck him. He's not funny. He overacts everything. He just got lucky with Olaf from Frozen, so now he can ride that fucking train all the way to fuck down and do whatever he wants because he's got <laughs> that kind of money. I don't care for him. I stick with my fat guys like I stick with Chris Farley. Sorry, Kevin James. You're out, too. You're just fucking terrible. King Queen's not funny. Josh Gad and him can make a sitcom together sometime. And it would just be called the most unfunniest fat people in the world. Daryl. That's how you really feel, man. Yeah. No, I, mean, I could because there's, there's some really strong feelings over something really insignificant. Yeah, they are both insignificant, but yet they keep making money. I don't get it. But you keep making understand. money, too. Yeah, no, I make money because I work my ass off. That's how I make my money. I don't make it going, hoo-hoo, look at me, I'm an animated snowman. No, no, fuck you. You know, you don't have any talent. I and really like Josh Gad in Book of Mormon, you know, because he was part of the original That's cast. what you talked about. You kept telling me to check out Book of Mormon because he's hilarious. And I was like, I'm not paying attention to him. I'm not giving him a second of my time. Just looking at his face, I want to punch him several times and tell him to stop trying to be funny. You can't do it, kid. But for some reason, people keep giving him money. Hmm. I believe in you, Josh. Even if the, I believe the, the children the are the future. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking teach them well. The children are the future. And let them lead the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sexual, I mean, sexual chocolate. <laughs> sexual chocolate. Mark Henry? Yeah, I mean, he no, didn't pregnant Mae Young and give birth no. to a hand. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, See, no, we're not ta- no, That's Mark no, we're not talking about we're not talking about the hand. We are not talking about the hand. <laughs> I mean, she she fucked him and then she gave birth to a hand, folks. Mae Young. The sexual chocolate. That's, that's what true. it was. Yeah. There, there was and a hand. Working. And it wasn't yeah. the cages. It wasn't. No, it was not. But it was a different hand. And it was a white hand, which made no sense because he's black and, well, well whatever. It wasn't even biracial. It was weird. Well, it was what weird. are you talking about, man? Listen, okay, I just, my, my sister just gave birth to a, a young girl. My sister's husband is an African-American gentleman. And my niece has taken on more of the Caucasian traits over the African-American really? traits. Really? Interesting. So, I'm just so talking about the pale hand that came out. I was like, hmm. I, I just, I'm interested now. Okay, I'm invested. I kind of dig that. And well, I did not know that at the time as a young kid watching her give birth to a hand, and I did not know that now. So the more you know, you know, celebrate that logo thank, for NBC. Thank you for being, inve- thank you for being invested. We, we, we I am. I appreciate your support. I mean, I'm more invested in that than I am with Josh Gad. I'm more invested in this, you know, this uh, young child coming up in the world than I am with Josh Gad, who I wish would fall off the plane. I think you got oh. a jealousy thing going with Josh. Maybe you have a crush on him. Do you, do you, do you maybe like him it's a romantic case. You, you just don't know? It could be. It could be romantic. I don't maybe know. I mean, I've never kissed the guy. Look I don't know. He might be a, gotta... a generous lover. Oh, you lie. I, <laughs> I know. I've never kissed Josh Gad. Gad stories oh. for <laughs> I mean, you can read my fan fiction at joshgadsucks.com. 
I got plenty of uh, erotic fan fiction there for you guys if you want to check it out. Where he gently crushes my face and sings me songs from Frozen. Yeah, no. I don't. Then Kevin James comes in the room and he's like, who is the king of queens? We're like, oh, there's Kevin. And then it gets weird, but it's fine. I'm sure he's a very generous lover and a very nice kisser. I wouldn't mind. I'd give him a couple smooches if I had to, but then I'd also tell him, you know, act your fucking age and grow up. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I said I'm glad yeah, that's that it. you're coming to terms with your with your with your crushes. I am I, I come to you know I mean hey listen. If Wood Kaufman said, Hey come here, give me a kiss, I'd do it. In a second. Think I'd waste my time? No. Like, say, yeah, really? and then, me? yeah, and then yeah, and then Uncle Lloyd would say that'll be a dollar. <laughs> and I was glad to give anything that for free. quarters. <laughs> no. But at the end of the day, who got to kiss Uncle Lloyd? This guy. Yeah. So <laughs> dollar well paid, sir. And I would keep supporting Trump. But no. So I mean, yeah, I don't. I've never watched a single episode. I heard that it's okay. I do like Isla Fisher. So. I mean, yeah, I would definitely give her a big old kiss if she'd let me. You know, me and redheads mm-hmm. can't get enough. But still, uh, I mean, what is Isn't she married to uh, to what's yes. his name, man? Yes, she uh, is. Talk about Baron Cohen. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's my wife. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, like him yes, and, that is uh, who she Christina is. Christina Hendricks. She married a Kevin Rudy guy, too. Well, who she married, but yeah, she married to somebody out of her real realm. But, so, yeah, I can't wait to find out the twist. They're going to be vampires. Werewolf vampires. Werewolves. And that's going to be the twist. <laughs> Who's Josh Gad? Uh, wow. Is he married to anybody? He might be single. He might be riding that bachelor life. You know, with that frozen money. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> he might be blame. looking for his very own king of horror. He might be. <laughs> uh, no, he he is. <laughs> look at that. He's married to Ida Darvish, who I have no idea who that is, but it's a a person who was in the Mandalorian. People so he is married to There's still people somebody named from Ida in, in this century. That's crazy. Yeah, That's my Ida Darvish. Middle name. But that's because it was my yeah, no. grandmother's first name. Oh, well, hey. He found uh, an Ida. They do exist. Right next. I mean, yeah. She, uh, she, I'm sure there's some. Are, are you there. ready? Is she a hoe? Esters. Oh, yeah. We're going to say. <laughs> so there's an. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Are there any Helens anymore? I feel like that's another old name that you don't hear about anymore. Like young girls having. I don't know a lot of Helens. I feel like that went out with the killers. Ouch. Oh, ouch. I thought my, I thought, I thought my Idaho joke was bad. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm aiming for the bleachers. There it goes. I'm going to take my lap around the bases now. That ball is high. It is foul. It's foul. It's foul. Oh, foul. Uh-huh. Back to the basis. All right, Dean. So what's next? What else do you got? Let me tell you that director Rachel Wiggins has said <laughs> that Have No Fear, Wolf Creek 3, is definitely happening. 
Apparently, Wolf Creek 3 was supposed to start filming at the end of 2021, but 2021 uh, has come and gone uh, with no movement on Wolf Creek 3. But Rachel Wiggins has shared some photos to her social media uh, showing some location scouting that has been done and promises that John Jarrett is once again returning as Mick Taylor and that Wolf Creek 3 is definitely happening. Uh, Wolf Creek 3, of course, uh, the third in the uh, Wolf Creek film series that has also featured a, a TV really? series uh, that had two yeah, seasons and tell us that. Uh, two seasons of a, of a TV show <laughs> starring John Jarrett as well. So if you have been wondering where Wolf Creek 3 is, don't worry, because it is on the way. And what's the name of the movie? Cool. Wolf Creek 3. And what number of the series is it, though? Which, how many movies it's the are third there? Film. The series. It's the third film in what might be come just a trilogy. Uh, there is no talk of whether or not it will go beyond the third film uh, between Wolf Creek, Wolf Creek 2, and Wolf Creek 3. Uh, but there's also no word if it's going to tie in the plot from the Wolf Creek TV series, Wolf Creek Season 1, or Wolf Creek Season 2. Will there be a Wolf Creek 4? It's unknown at this well, point in time. They're going to make the third one, don't they? Why not? Well, I don't know. Leonard Part 6 was the first one. No, we don't talk about Bill Cosby. <laughs> we don't? Is that like Bruno? <laughs> well, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Cosby? <laughs> No, 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 no. It's a Disney joke. You wouldn't get it. No. Yeah, no. I thought you were talking about the Sacramento Baron Cohen movie about the gay guy. I mean, I guess you could call it a Disney joke. I mean, it was also like a fucking number one song throughout the entire country. Well, it was at it, too. Kind of makes it more popular. Yeah, but you would be in that. Yeah, but that's why we're here. King goes, who's Bruno? It's like the I only guy who knows who Bruno is. Bruno is. <laughs> no. The fucking, I thought it was that movie with Dean, Dr. Barry Cohen. Do you know, know who Bruno is? Dean, do you know who Bruno is? Do you talk about Bruno? Uh, no, no, no. Bruno you Sam Bruno, no, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I would say Bruno Camardino. I don't know who, I don't know who you guys are talking about. Ah, um, I, th- I thought you worked yeah. in the middle school. <laughs> I would think the middle school, yeah. I would think you would know about it because of that. It was such a huge hit. I know Sam was all over it and her whole, uh, I, whole, whole I, crew. I, I, I don't know. You don't know about Bruno, no, no, no. Huh? No. no I, yeah, I guess okay. he doesn't know about Bruno, no. Apparently it's a popular <laughs> song from something. I, I, I guess I, I guess people actually aren't talking about Bruno, no, no, no. <laughs> well, not anymore, more, 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 more. I think the, uh, the Oscars and the what Grammys the are What the fuck is going on right over. now? The, where are we? <laughs> what, is, what is happening? <laughs> I, I need to know who the fuck Bruno is now. Is he a fucking Disney character? We don't talk like, about him, bro. So yeah, yeah, we don't talk Why about him, man. Why are we talking about Bruno? What did he do? We don't talk about we don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. Why? Like, did he get AIDS or somebody? Like, did he commit sex crimes? Like, why aren't we talking about Bruno? We don't. Is that it? It's just a song called we, Nobody Talks About Bruno Anymore, and then everybody just doesn't talk about it. I, I got a lot of questions. Yeah, that's pretty simple, isn't it? It's crazy. Like, what the, like, how is that even a song? We, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Why? We just don't. Oh, okay. 
I, I you don't exact know my, you my question. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't even know where to put. This is awesome. <laughs> like the dean said, Bruno San Martino. I probably guessed that too. Like, yeah, I mean, nobody talks about Bruno San Martino anymore. No, no they don't. They should. <laughs> no, 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 no. People are like, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> we have to talk about uh, Kabuki, but uh, that's where people are wrong. Kabuki. About Kabuki. They should be talking about Kabuki man? Uh, Bruno San Martino. Uh, they should Kabuki. be talking about uh, Jerry Lawler. And they should be talking about Bob Backlund. <laughs> but no, they're like, oh, John Cena. Uh, but Bob Backlund and Bruno San Martino uh, is, is who they should talk yeah. about. And Pedro Morales. No one should be talking Pedro about Morales. No, no one should be talking Pedro about Pedro Guerrero. Pedro Guerrero, Pedro Morales, Hulk Hogan, all top champions over John Cena. But who the fuck is Bruno? Like, I'm never going to get this answer. So it's just I don't think we need to move on. Because you keep yeah, saying you're not going to talk about him. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a rabbit hole. You're going to have to fucking journey down all on your own, bro. You'll find it. If it involves me looking yeah, at Disney on YouTube, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I've been flagged numerous times. No, the an- no man, the answer's in the journey, man. Right. What journey? Oh my God! I don't know where we are. It's not the destination. It's so all about the journey, brother. Why is there a journey and rabbit holes and Kamala? What about Team Kamala? Cheap Strongbow? Huh? Cheap Jake Strongbow? Yeah. But no. Jimmy Superstar uh, Snooker. Top of the cage. Yeah. MSG. Uh, uh, Let's talk about that. You're going down the wrong yeah, rabbit hole. Talk, <laughs> talk about Tony Atlas. Oh, hey, Rocky Johnson, tag team champions of the world. Talk about Iron Sheik Hulk Hogan I hate you Hulk Hogan Iron Sheik Talk about him Talk about Roddy Piper Piper's Randy pick. Savage Talk about Bruno You, you are a Jew oh, yeah. And I hate you Randy Savage But Miss Elizabeth You okay You nice woman And I love you very much But fuck you Randy Savage <laughs> Want to give you many kisses I fucking love Iron Sheik. talk about that Iron Sheik. No, no. Gonna get the mega powers out here, yeah. Gonna get them out here, and we're gonna beat Iron Sheik and Sergeant Slaughter, who aligned himself with fucking Iraq. That's right, we're watching you, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> oh, dude, I you remember the oil, didn't you? It kind of went from, yes, like, Randy Savage to, like, Michael Cera, all in, like, one one quick, like... Swoop there. Michael Sarah, he's a lot better than He's like, hey, I'm going to get you, Iron Sheik. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. I don't know. Yeah, that's like Michael Sarah. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, I said, you kind of blended the two you together. Gotta, it was quite interesting. Got to suck the dick between legs. Yeah. No, because I didn't want to blow up my fucking throat trying to do a fucking Randy most average scream. Can't do it. <laughs> not, not all voided up. Can't do it the next time. All right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Other than fucking Bruno. Well, I wasn't trying to talk about that. But you're going to fuck like, oh, Bruno? Let, let, me, let me talk about this. Uh, but I, what I can tell you is that uh, the word came down the other day that M. Night Shyamalan's next film, A Knock at the Cabin, has started filming. But M. Night has claimed that something that they were filming this week was so intricate in performance and so deep and emotional that it shook him and he had to walk away from the set to collect himself. Uh, oh. So, M. Night Shyamalan was deeply touched on 
the film set of his of his next film. He was deeply touched on the set. Wow. Oh, just... fucking artist. Yeah. Getting deeply what, touched. Like, what, touched like the way Alex Baldwin touched that chick on Russ? Ouch. No, he shot somebody on Russ. He didn't touch somebody. <laughs> 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 he didn't just touched somebody. He, he, he picked up a gun and, and accidentally shot somebody. So, <laughs> more than a touch. Yeah, I know. Talk about like you know, like Freddie Savile or something like that. Just a little bit outside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it! I'll come back. Uh, the count's two and zero. Oh. Damn it! All right. Got to get the gold. But no, so yeah, I think it's more than likely. But I don't know who. I yeah, I guess knock at the door of the cabin. Uh, yeah, next knock time I'm going to know. Knock so at the cabin. Does anyone actually going to see his stuff still? Like how how did last movie do? Well, I went to the, the last, last one. Uh, you know, I let's I you know I have not seen old yet, and I do I do plan on watching oh, it. I saw that too. That's right. Uh, you got to remember that, that his film uh, before old, uh, I believe, was Glass, which while yeah. uh, was disappointing to me personally, uh, was a box office success, and I think mm-hmm. old did suffer from the fact that it was still given its release where uh, the world had not yet uh, fully come around uh, to visiting movie theaters. Uh, It was a, Mm. you know, one of the numerous films that was a, you know, still quasi pandemic release uh, and box office might have suffered due to that, or it might've just been the quality of the film. I have not seen the film yet. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews. I do look forward to checking it out sometime in the near future. It is on my list. Uh, my never-ending list, but uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, as far as as far as box office, I feel like any film that's come out between when COVID lockdown started and now, it's kind of hard to put a lot of stock in box office numbers. Like even films that have done tremendous business, maybe if it was a totally normal world, may, would have done even more business. It's just it's just hard to tell. It's hard to tell right now. Hmm. Nothing. Yeah, because I completely forgot about old. I saw it in the theater, and I completely forgot that movie. So shows you how well it, it served. Because, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I remember it not, just kind of being forgettable. Glass was the better movie. But, yeah, so we'll see if uh, Knock at the Cabin Door, uh, you know, does better. I think Batista's in that one. There's a decent cast build up for that one. So we'll see. Obviously, something shocking happened because he was terrified uh, after shooting something. So we'll see what that was. Um, but all right, Dean, what's next? What do you got? Uh, we had talked so many times right here on this very program about how, uh, Universal had such high hopes, uh, for their dark universe, uh, kicking off with the mummy, uh, hopes that this was going to springboard into a whole universe featuring all of the classic universal monsters and more. And, uh, the mummy film, uh, did not, uh, do what, Universal had anticipated. Uh, you know, the film's director, Alex Kurtzman, has gone on to say recently that The Mummy, the mummy represents the biggest failure of his entire life. Um, mm. I was not aware that the film uh, did pull in, uh, you know, $409 million global against just a $125 million budget, uh, but giving given everything that Universal dumped into it with additional money for marketing and planning, uh, they deemed it as, as a loss. Uh, 
um, and much less than successful, which, you know, clamped down on any plans of any kind of dark universe, cinematic universe. But uh, Alex Kurtzman going on to call the mummy the biggest failure of his entire life. Hmm. He's a harsh critic. That movie, well, not good. Uh, definitely wasn't as bad as it could have been. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, but calling it the worst, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't seen, uh, you know, much else from him, but uh, it wasn't a bad movie. Just it, it wasn't the right move to make, I think, with that one. And of course, Tom Cruise is just, you know. And I think, honestly, I think that's your biggest mistake with that movie. You know what I mean? I think really trying to to make that a, a Tom Cruise vehicle. Or trying mm-hmm. to ride Tom Cruise's success in order to push that film and its subsequent universe, I think that's where you made your mistake. Um, it yeah. Comes yeah. On, and you know what? Yeah, I've watched it the one time. I own it. I watched it once. I found it mostly forgettable. Um, yeah. And it's not like it's just his fault. The problem is is when you're watching it and Tom Cruise is in the picture, it feels like every Mission Impossible and every other Tom Cruise picture you've seen in the last, like, 15 to 20 years, um, as far as any kind of, like, action-style movies. And when you saw the rest of the movie without him in it, you see what seemed like could possibly be the foundation of a decent series doing a gender flip by making the female the mummy. Um, But... Again, I think you know. I think the the weakest part is Tom Cruise, and it's just because it's not you know it's not something I want to see him in. If you're going to build that, you need to build it around characters that are going to be uh, memorable for just that reason only. Right. Which like which for me is is why I enjoyed the you know the original couple mummy movies you know from when we were teenagers with the Brendan Fraser stuff going on uh you know they brought him pretty much out of nowhere you know shot his career up and he was really great at adapting himself into that role and into um you know that decade and just really fit in to just you know that adventurer type role which was also a surprise because that same actor was coming off of always being in like awkward comedic roles so seeing him in an indiana jones-esque action character like if you would have told me on paper prior i would have been like nah that movie's gonna suck you know but then he pulls it off and he pulls it off wonderfully um the first two mummy movies are fantastic the third one Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like I, I find the third one almost like a bit of a guilty pleasure. I'll put it on and watch it, and like part of me doesn't like it, and the other part of me is like, it's got Jet Li, and I kind of like this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so it's it's like a weird thing with that one, but uh, but the first two I really really enjoy. Agreed, King. Were you going to say something? No, I only saw the first one. So I can't really give opinions about the second and third one, but I like the first one. It was a fun one in the theaters. But and I also just like the ghoul said, I didn't have a problem with them gender flipping the mummy either. It didn't really uh, move the needle either way. But it's just Tom Cruise. It's just insufferable. So to have a vehicle that was strapped around him, you know, they they should have picked somebody that was more unknown. And then I probably would have yes, enjoyed exactly. it more. Like a, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he would be good for the role, but I I just saw Pedro Pascal in. Um, the new Nicolas Cage movie, I fucking like him. Like, I was like, I want to see this guy in more stuff. 
I was like, he was, he was funny. He was good. He had good action moments. So I was like, that guy could be up for a lot of things, hopefully soon. I mean, I don't know. I know he gets compared to Oscar Isaac a man, lot, but I, I don't really. He's the Mandalorian, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you're never <laughs> going to get me to watch that. So it, there we go. Yeah. But, well, but on the flip side, though, did you see Wonder Woman? Because I thought he, like, wasn't that great in Wonder Woman in 1984. No, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, nope. he, uh, that movie in general wasn't that great, and you know what? That could have been <laughs> one he, of those those cases in which he could have at least run away with his performance as his exactly. villain. Exactly. And instead, no, you were kind of like, yeah, you're just part of a greater problem, which is this movie in general. Um, yeah, that uh, Wonder Woman '84 was was something else. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, right. no. <laughs> I, no, yeah, I had no interest. I, I saw the trailers, and I'm I know best. you say you want to see him in more stuff, but I think you know, part like for me, I see him in way too much right now. You know, because again, you got Wonder Woman '84, <laughs> you got you know, you got the Mandalorian, and yeah, granted, look, his face is normally covered, but you know, Boba for Fett. all intents and purposes, even though I'm sure it's mostly the stuntman, I like to think that he's <laughs> yeah, sure Pascal. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, is a lot of the things that he's in and known for, um, you are like, he, he's in a lot of nerd culture stuff. Um, and, and, you know, for me, like, you know, like the first thing I'll always think of, unfortunately, for Pedro Pascal is Game of Thrones and, and his, his wonderful demise at the, and oh, when I say this, yes. at the, at the literal hands of the mountain, okay, because <laughs> yeah. the mountain that fucking rides grabbed Trust that him. man by his fucking head and just squished his fucking face in. <laughs> like, that seriously left, like, a fucking dent and a mark in my soul. I can, I still can't think of that scene and not, cry, like, not cringe just a little bit because it's just, like, the sound effect and what they actually showed you happen was, like... Ew, fuck. Okay, that happened. <laughs> yeah, pop that head like a grape. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Man, I, I couldn't. I, well, that was Peter Pascal. Wow, okay. So now I know. Because I did, I did watch Game of Thrones uh, when it first ran, but I just completely forgot about that. that he was the, uh, the guy that got killed by the mountain. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I'll just say. <laughs> It's just yeah, it's, it's crazy. But uh, anyway, so moving on from that, I just, it, it's just one of those actors like Oscar Isaac. I like seeing getting work because I did like him in Sucker Punch. I know I'm like the only person out there that likes Sucker Punch, uh, but I thought he was great in that I love movie. Sucker Punch. Um, really? So I, I never know anybody that likes it. Big, but dude, I have that movie. I have the unrated edition of it. You know that that's one of those. Again, it's a Zack Snyder film, um, but you know. Yeah. It's, uh, Oh, yeah, here comes the monkey. It has these fun moments in it, right? And the premise is like one of those that is, is it trying to be super deep and super smart? Yeah, because, man, (laughs) it was all an escape the entire time. 
and, and the vision, but visually speaking, it is a, a very pretty movie, a fun movie. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, the, the best part about that film in, in general is, is the fact that fucking Emily Browning is so fucking hot. So, you know what? I can watch that movie on mute. I can watch that movie with sound. It don't matter because I'm just, as long as my eyes are open, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, no, there's a, a lot of good stuff in him. I, I know, Monkey, you hate it because you hate Zack Snyder. I get it, but no, I, I give that movie a big old pass. Whenever it's on, I have to leave it on because I mean, Carl Grino, no, oh, so hot, it, so hot. It's, it's, not, but it's not because of Zack Snyder. That's you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, my, my thing is the entire ripoff of Mer- American McGee's Alice and them ripping oh, that yeah. off 100% for the movie. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You, you hate J.J. Abrams. That's the guy that you hate. Zach yes, I hate J.J. Abrams. all of his own ideas. What are you talking about, <laughs> man? He doesn't rip anybody off ever. It's all original. <laughs> all I, original. I, I will admit, I really look forward to that movie. I was really, like, you know, I was I enjoy that movie up until I see that sequence, and then it just pisses me off because it's, it's like, pra- practically screen for screenshot of that bit from American McGee's Alice. And other than that, the rest of the movie is fucking fun. It's a great fucking ride, and it's pretty as shit, you know, for them to be throwing these things all over the place. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. But then when we get to that part, it just pisses me off because it's like, wow, really? Wow, okay. You couldn't mm-hmm. hire a writer to sit there and come up with this part right here? Uh, anyway, moving on. Dean, <laughs> sorry that you have yes. distracted so far from news. <laughs> oh, that's right. We have news to talk about. Uh, sure do. See how things. Uh, you know, recently Sam Raimi had said that uh, he would love the opportunity to direct another Spider-Man movie, and how he would love to direct another Dark Man movie. Well, Liam Neeson, I thought it was Batman he wanted to do. Uh, maybe he wanted <laughs> to do a Batman also, but uh, there were several. Ain't <laughs> hey, getting that. Uh, I probably have. I have some crumpled notes in my backpack. But anyway, uh, <laughs> being that he said backpack, uh, backpack. he wanted to do another Darkman, uh, Liam Neeson uh, has stated uh, that he certainly would be interested in returning uh, for a Darkman sequel if it was a proper sequel, uh, a legacy sequel. Uh, he would be interested in reading the script uh, Liam Neeson uh, was uh, making this statement when he was out promoting his latest action film, uh, Memory. Uh, This is the sixth or seventh uh, action film that Liam Neeson has appeared in since he said that he was retiring from making action films. Um, (laughs) He did. And uh, action films that you know that he started making at the fucking primal age of like sixty three, you know seventy eight. Such an interesting career for that man. It's fucking phenomenal. I love it. (laughs) I love it too. And I have to say uh, that I and and granted uh, the last two uh, were Blacklight and The Marksman, and uh, The Marksman is currently in rotation on the. I believe maybe the Encore Networks or maybe the Epics Networks, uh, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but aside from The Marksman and Blacklight, I have seen all of the Liam Neeson action movies. And sure, 
there are varying wow. degrees of quality, uh, but usually uh, they are uh, energetic and entertaining. And I will also echo what the ghoul has just said. Uh, for Liam Neeson, who has been a, a Best Picture Academy Award level actress, uh, actress, actor, uh, starting actress. with the film, uh, <laughs> starting with the film, Taken. Oh my! Has had this second <laughs> career uh, as an action hero. Uh, is just it's just hilarious to me, and especially because he just keeps cranking them out uh, one after the next, and he is just making such bank in this late stage of his career. It's like he keeps saying, "That's it. I'm I'm old." I can't do this anymore, but he, like, keeps doing it. Uh, legitimately, that's not even, like, a joke for humor. Uh, I think there's they keep throwing six, money or at seven, six or seven <laughs> Liam Neeson yeah. action films since he said that he's done with action films. In fact, whenever, uh, you know, every time I hear another one coming out, I'm like, man, like, he's still going. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, not I don't even know if you want to categorize it as recent, uh, but there was one, I don't know, four four action films ago called Cold Pursuit, uh, you know, that there's even talk of that one uh, getting a sequel. Um, you know, so we'll see. That one was, like, kind of entertaining with an interesting concept, like a Hitman-type concept. Um, and while it was predictable as all get out, I do have to say the one that was done for Netflix called The Ice Road um, was very entertaining. And even some sequences of of high suspense, uh, even though uh, the outcomes, of course, uh, you know, this was not a groundbreaking film by any stretch of the imagination, uh, still, like, definitely, like, worth watching for, like, just mindless fun um, and some pretty cool effects. But anyway, uh, what I'm here to talk about is Liam Neeson saying that uh, he would return uh, to reprise his role as Darkman uh, if the opportunity uh, was available. Hmm. Yeah, it's... uh... Uh-huh. I I haven't seen anything but Taken, um, and like Have you seen I, Taken too. Like for me, it's just uh, I think I've seen half of Taken too. Uh, again, I own all three, three of the. T- I oh, I own all three of the movies. I just haven't watched all three of them. Um, no, and it's one of those where, like you know, it seems like every week on Xbox, there's a new. What do you mean? Ah, here we go. I got it, but I didn't watch it. I'm a completist. I have to. I have to have all of them, and there was a deal. I have to fucking own it. Yeah, of course. And listen, man, I've gotten real good with that, dude. You know how many movies there are right now that like I I am supposed to own, but I don't because I've been fucking learning. Uh, Yeah, congratulations. I've been been learning something. Um, And I will say, the first seems like every week there's a new fucking Liam Neeson movie in like the Xbox store, and it's like it's almost (laughs) like it's almost like Bruce Willis at this point, where there's like a fucking you know, and and again, I know everything is is terrible with that guy right now and everything, but like it just seems like every fucking week there's another one or two movies with him in it, and it's like he's on the cover, and it's like how the fuck does this guy have any time for any other life when all he's doing is making fucking you know straight fucking in, um, I will, to, to I will comment. To VOD so, no, a lot, granted, not many of them have done a big box office business, and granted, The Ice Road was a Netflix film, but uh, truly, like, the volume of Bruce Willis, like, straight-to-video flicks uh, is, 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 is much larger 
than Liam Neeson's uh, output, you know, uh, and Liam Neeson, the majority of which uh, films uh, have gone to the box office. The last one, uh, Blacklight, I think, like lost big money. Not that it had a big budget. It might have been like a $20 million movie that made $15 million, but like uh, different. I think it's different than, than Bruce Willis. And I will say, though, that Taken, and I've seen the first Taken movie like more times than absolutely necessary. Uh, somehow in its time of existence, uh, it has become one of those movies for me that like if I turn on and it's on, it's like it doesn't matter what part it's at. I got to watch the rest of it. Uh, granted, <laughs> it, it had Luke. It had Luke Besson uh, behind it, who who is a, a master actioner. Um, but I feel like in that film, it's just it's so quick and snappy. It's like eighty minutes, and there's like not a wasted minute. Like everything just propels the story forward. Um, you know, and then of course the second and third to, to varying degrees of satisfactory return. Uh, but I have found that so many of these the, the Neeson action films are quite entertaining. Uh, the Commuter was super fun. Uh, Unknown was super fun. And again, like Ice Road was like a rollicking good time, silly and predictable as it may be. But I, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to hijack this and turn this into a Liam Neeson uh, power hour here because we're not here to talk about that. But since it did come up, I do have to say, as one who has watched the majority of these films, that some of them are truly like worth watching for just that mindless fun action action uh, fix. Very cool. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, so we have. So moving right along. Moving right <laughs> along. Uh, David Arquette uh, recently uh, was talking screen. And uh, he he has reported that uh, he was not uh, given a heads up uh, about the fate of his character in the recent uh, Scream film. He called it a fresh wound uh, when he found out that after 25 years of being involved uh, with with this film series uh, of what his fate was going to be, he said that it it, it cut deep. Uh, he said it cut him deep uh, to learn his fate. He said that. Uh, for the scene, he had to he had to really get himself uh, amped up, and uh, the scene uh, because of his oh, emotion nope. became became more. Uh, he was angry, and the scene became like more violent. Uh, and he said he he did use his uh, skills as a professional wrestler um, to increase the level of physicality uh, in the scene. Uh, he said that what uh, you know after. He said after it was all said and done that he, uh, you know, he, he went home and he, he, he left the set, washed it all, uh, the blood off of himself, and then he <laughs> hit the road uh, to, to kind of decompress and uh, unwind from the Scream series. And he went on to say that uh, Wes Craven uh, is an absolute angel uh, for keeping his character alive for four films. And then he joked that uh, Bettinelli and Gillett are a bunch of ghost faces uh, for killing him. Um, so he said that, of course, uh, you know, it, w- with humor, uh, but still sounds like, uh, you know, some sadness that, that Officer uh, Dewey uh, has met his demise. So, so some feelings and inner thoughts from, from David Thank, O'Kett. Thanks for, the, thanks for the spoiler, bro. Oh, wow. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, first of I, all, I hadn't seen it all, yet. <laughs> <laughs> we covered the fucking film for the show, all right? I feel like you know, we didn't keep anything secret in the Scream episode uh, several weeks ago. Uh, so to sit here now going, oh, thanks for the spoiler, it holds no water. We've covered this film right here on Talking Terror. Maybe some people didn't listen to that episode. 
Well, that's their own problem. Let's talk. What's talking Whoa, terror? Okay. Yeah, it's the show about Bruno. No, 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 no. Oh, I thought it was a show. I thought it was a show about terrorism. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, that's the other one. Uh, I mean, you know, David Arquette is the former WCW heavyweight champion, so we have to take a lot from him. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so you know, we got to give him credit for credit due, right? I honestly do. gratitude. We owe him a debt of gratitude for what he did as Dewey and uh, and his demise. But it's like, come on, dude. It's, it's Scream 5. Eventually, you're going to have to fucking die. You're not fucking Superman, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to hurt your feelings, David, but it has to happen. You know, is anybody else going to die? No. Is that a letdown? Yes. But still, man, no. You can't avoid death anymore. Time to move on. As we have to. <laughs> you know, unless they bring him back to the next one, they're like, he wasn't actually dead. Now he's a witness protection. And he's wrestling in Mexico under an assumed name. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, he's not dead, Come on. See, see, see. Yeah, I'm not trying to. And you know he's not listening to this podcast going, oh, my God, I should do that. I mean, I'm not I mean, but, but, right now. So. so, like, through all this, what, did he think he was going to be Nancy from Elm Street? You know, where he was going to be the one to live through all the movies for all time? She didn't even live through all the movies. She died in part three. She got stabbed to death in part three by Freddy. Didn't make it too but, long. But then they, yeah, but didn't they bring her back in part five or some shit? No, they brought her back for Wes Craven's New Nightmare in 94, oh, which was right. a meta but, movie. It wasn't actually a nightmare movie. It was a meta movie. It was like she was playing herself, not Nancy. It was the so pre-scream yeah, no. scream. It was. It really was. And that was the, that. I mean, that's a good. I remember seeing that movie long ago, Nightmare, and I actually think it was good. It wasn't because I just had to watch a taste of uh, Freddy's Dead in my mouth. That fucking movie. <laughs> you know, this is how we're killing him off. We're sending him off this way. No, no, <laughs> you know. But they, they did another one. No, Nancy Thompson, yeah, she she got lucky. And then in part three, you know, got killed by John Saxon's ghost. So I would say more like Nev Campbell. You're not Sydney, do we? But uh, Sydney, you could, like, you know, stab her a billion times. She'd be like, I'm Sydney, bitch. <laughs> like fucking Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, right? And then, guess we have to cut her head off. Yeah, well, stay tuned for Scream 6. It's coming out next year. You might get to see that. I don't know. You thought the that was Michael Myers, but they, they, they figured out a way around that, too. So, Oh, they sure did. <laughs> they sure did. Because, uh, yes, he he uh, he fell, and then a paramedic came in to check his pulse, and then he, of course, uh, cut his head off and put that guy's uniform on because it was the perfect size. You know, don't forget he was either fat or small or tall or anything like that. It, just, it was perfect fit. And then he just kind of walked off into the sunset. And that's how we get resurrection. It works. Believe us. Mustafa Khan's like, come on, guys. Everybody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to question it. Nobody's going to be mad about it. We got Buster Rhymes coming up, guys. Come on, Buster Rhymes. No, no. See? Everybody remembers that line because it's the fucking funny. Gotta say it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so you could bring them all back. Who knows? Nobody's ever dead in a horror movie. <laughs> They'll find a way to bring back his ghost. I mean, Matthew Lillard is still trying to bring back Stu for another scream. <laughs> Who knows? He might pop up and scream. <laughs> I never died. Oh, shit, Stu Mocker. That's right, motherfuckers. You could drop a TV on me. It doesn't mean I'm dead. 
oh god, that would be horrible, but who knows? He still wants it to happen. But all right, then moving on, what else you got? You know, back when Disney had acquired uh, 20th Century Fox, uh, they talked about how they were going to be uh, dipping into the realm of comic books with a Predator comic book series. Uh, That got shelved uh, when they were faced with the lawsuit from the original Predator screenwriters uh, that dragged on for quite some time. But apparently whatever was going on over there uh, has been resolved because they have announced uh, Marvel Comics. Marvel Comics will be be delivering the first issue of the new Predator comic book series on July 6th. So uh, if you are a fan of the Predator and you are a fan of comic books, uh, July 6th, uh, you should head to all of the places where you acquire your comic books. Uh, you can have the first in the Marvel Predator comic book series. And then two years cool. later, we'll get a reboot. Then, then a couple <laughs> years later, it's going to get a reboot, then another reboot. <laughs> and like the ghoul said, there you go. He joins the MCU. All of a sudden, the Predator oh. shows up, starts killing people. <clears throat> Could they find out the predator is actually a girl, and then it's a Disney princess. <laughs> princess, <laughs> dude. Hey, listen, that's Alien. Alien, the Alien that's team right. is now a Disney princess. So, so they do, they right. do own it all. So, AVP could be Avengers versus Predator, and then you could have AA, AVA, CP, and fucking you know, so the Fantastic Four there too, and. They have all kinds of fucking weird and wacky fucking combos at this point. They should get on it. They're wasting <laughs> away properties. <laughs> Why not making it happen? Man, if they can make the comic um, book, they can make the movie. Uh, Predator versus Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. It could happen. Predators in the Marvel you know, world. So. <clears throat> you know, Alien versus the Fantastic Four. I'd see that. Oh man, fucking just sit there, melt right through fucking Reed Richards with his fucking blood, kill that motherfucker off once yeah, for all. He's just as annoying as fucking Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, you get the comic book first, and then we'll see what happens. But all right, Dean, what else is next? I would like to tell you all that story. Uh, CinemaCon mm. has been going on, and there's just been all of these news stories about, oh, uh, there was this at CinemaCon, and this was set at CinemaCon, and maybe we saw a poster for an upcoming film that we haven't seen before at CinemaCon, but uh, I have not followed up. But apparently today, Wednesday, uh, at CinemaCon, there was going to be a preview of Avatar 2. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, CinemaCon is sponsored uh, by Dolby, who apparently outfitted uh, the Coliseum where CinemaCon has been taking place with uh, the most advanced sound and visual technology that they have to offer in advance of a possible brief preview of Avatar 2. So I don't know if that took place. Uh, I haven't gone back to... Uh, so I circled back around uh, to the at CinemaCon. 
Okay. Which is taking right. place in, uh, I believe, Las Vegas. Uh, yes, at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Um, so, uh, wait, anyway. So wait, what's, what's at uh, Caesar's Palace? Caesar's Palace is where CinemaCon is taking place, this big <laughs> cinema convention. The largest and most important gathering of movie theater owners from around the world. Hey, there you go. Hey, what's the largest okay, gathering uh, of fucking movie theater owners? CinemaCon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, CinemaCon. Anyway. <laughs> I have said uh, numerous times on this show uh, that I think that Avatar is going to be a colossal flop. And I was thinking about this again today. And mm-hmm. uh, I would like to ask anybody here, uh, as a fun and interesting uh, content piece for our program, uh, is there anybody here uh, that disagrees with me, would like to make some kind of wager about uh, what kind of business Avatar 2 may or may not do? You don't have to have nope. an answer right now, but I would <laughs> nope. just like to I would just like to to ask you to to think about that. And if you think I'm wrong and you think Avatar Two is going to be a success, uh, maybe we can we can come up with a a a a, a friendly wager that we can continue to discuss uh, until the returns are in. Uh, but you know, I stand by my particular opinions. Yeah, we've covered it. I think we pretty much all agree with you, man. It's never going to be like it was. It's never going to be the brown breaking, you know, piece that it was. Nothing's going to match it. And sequel is too long, too 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 little, too late. You know, just let it lie, man. That's all. It's not going to make no way home money. Um. Do I think no. it's going to be a complete colossal failure? Mm, I think it depends on what their expectation is for it. I think with everything in the digital age now, as opposed to when the first uh, Avatar came out, uh, I think with streaming and everything like that, you know, it'll it'll do. I think it'll do moderately okay in theater. I think we'll probably clear. I think we'll clear six hundred mil. In theater, um, I just think that. Uh, but after that, it'll it'll start to to dwindle, and then give it about what two and a half to three months after release, it'll be out on the digital platforms, and that's when everybody else will see it. Like I don't need to see this one in theater because it's not going to be another. Oh, you've got to see this movie in 3D, and it's going to change the fucking way you see movies, uh, which is, is how I felt the first one was. Um, but again, this is all shit we've beaten to death on this show. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I might be willing to take your wager, but I think it all depends on what the actual. Uh, what the the wager entails, we we need to iron out details on that. And well, that's what I'm saying. I said, you know, actually. I said we don't have to finalize the details of any wager right now, but just food for thought, something to think about uh, that we can maybe revisit sometime in the near future, because we do still have a little time. Uh, the next film in the Avatar series graces us with its presence. Yeah, we do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we do. coming out next year or is it this year still I think it's this December oh okay alright so you want to talk about before we get into the movie 
because it got in. Oh, and, got and, in there. yeah, December December sixteenth, uh, twenty twenty two, and uh, there we have it. Uh, I'm here to tell you uh, right now, as I look for the release date, that uh, Avatar two uh, did uh, feature uh, a trailer, uh, apparently a stunning trailer uh, at CinemaCon today at Caesar's Palace, uh, and given a title. Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, delegates were provided uh, 3D glasses uh, and apparently gave a wildly enthusiastic welcome uh, to their return to Pandora with a first look at the stunning teaser trailer uh, for this film. Interesting. The Way of Water. So, and being that it's Cameron and we've seen all of his, his water-based efforts, I wonder what he's going to be pulling off with this. Oh, maybe he does actually pull something out of his fucking ass. <laughs> well, keep it in your mind. Keep it in your mind. Uh, my 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 door's open for for wagers and bets. So so keep that in mind, and, and we can revisit this. Uh, we can revisit this scenario sometime in the near future. All right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm going to get into the movie tonight so, because we do have. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that you're just. Uh, chomping at the bit, being that it is 7.04 right now, King, so I would like to chomping turn the, the floor... Chomping, not chomping. Chomping, chomping at the bit. Chomping. I so I, I, in California, chomping. you say chomping. And uh, it is 7.05 now, so uh, I don't want to sit here and argue semantics with you, uh, because the King of Horror is here to tell us something, and that something is... Yes, and I have a movie to talk about tonight. Well, no, that wasn't very good. I mean, it was, it was yeah... I mean, my strikeouts earlier, that's a strike one. So that's fine. <laughs> I'll take that as a you know, swing and a miss. But, uh, yeah, so we do have a movie to talk about tonight, my film pick of the week. I think that was a pop foul out, dude, personally. Well, that could be. <laughs> that's probably a better one. I mean, it was good, but it just it didn't get that home run smash that you wanted. But uh, So, anyway, 1975, Shivers, directed by David Cronenberg. It was his debut film. Uh, it follows a sexy, bloody parasite that goes through an apartment complex, infecting everybody in its wake, and turns them into a sex-crave maniacs. That's as simple as I'm going to get with the plot, because I want to talk about the movie, obviously, and get to what I thought about it. Obviously, I'm a fan of this movie. I'm a fan of the early works of Cronenberg, Shivers, The Brood, uh, Rabid, you know, are movies that I really liked just because it was doing something different in the 70s, and that was body horror uh, and just exploring sex in different ways. Videodrome, obviously, is another one that came out later. Uh, that I think is another good work of Cronenberg's. But uh, this one, I picked Rabbit when he first came back five years ago, so I kind of wanted to go back and pick his first one for my film pick uh, to celebrate five years. So that is Shivers. Cool. what did you think about Shivers? The new flesh, man. Okay, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. You know, Cronenberg has a, a vision, and he explores it in a different way with all of his films, and yet they they all – they all seem to, to still have a unifying, uh, a unifying uh, theme. And, you know, I feel like, you know, for his first movie or not, this was a fun film to watch. I, uh, you know, I, I, I of course, as, as with all of the King's picks, I, I went in with my, my arms kind of crossed and expecting to be kind of bored to a degree. It's a 70s film, uh, even though it is Cronenberg, so I did have a little bit more hope than some of the other films you pick. Uh, and, and yes, I, I found myself fairly pleased when all was said and done with this one. So, so thank you, King. My first time seeing it, and I liked it. <clears throat> oh, the first time I didn't know that. Okay, all right. So that's even better. 
first time watch and you liked it. Great. All right. So Dean, what do you think about Shivers? Uh, a first time watch for me as well. Wow. Okay. Um, another one. Another one. And uh, yes, uh, and certainly has a you know, does have a unique vision. And I did, uh, I did like this film and it's, it's interesting for like, uh, we'll get, I want to get into the specifics of my thoughts like later in the conversation, as far as like content and time and everything. Uh, But, you know, this was a, this was a a unique, a a unique uh, story uh, played out in an interesting fashion. And, uh, you know, I did enjoy watching it because it, uh, it did, it kept me guessing, uh, if you, mm. if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think, I think that I enjoyed it, but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what kinds of elements of the content we touch on during this discussion, because there are a few things that I thought were, were quite interesting, given the time okay. uh, of 1975 uh, in which this film was released. Excellent. All right. So I have another one. Uh, Monkey, I know that you had told me this is your first time as well. So what did you think about Shivers? Yeah. Yeah. This is my first time too. So three cherries. Ding, ding, ding. You win on the slot machine. Okay. Um, (laughs) This this was a fun little film for me just because while the king considers his wheelhouse, 1970s horror, I feel the same way about science fiction films. So I I really respected this being his first film and how much he was trying to tackle here you know I, I really respected what he was trying to accomplish here but you take this film and then you mix it with a little bit of socialist view of society throw in some aliens add a few splashes of cheekiness in there so that it all breaks down into you know attack of the horny space slugs <laughs> zombies from space fuck yes I'm in you know hell yes I'm in for <laughs> horny space zombies <laughs> um so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun, and just it was just so fucking, you know, seventies white. You know that I was just like, yeah, I, I'm really, really liking this movie, man. It's it. This is a real fucking time capsule. <laughs> it really fucking is. <laughs> you know, pretty much better, better homes and gardens, 1974, <laughs> Canada. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so and yeah, we also so, have you know, they, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mikey. Oh, so thanks for so thanks for the pick, man. Oh, no problem. And we also have just as a quick aside before we get into this, Ivan Reitman, the late Ivan Reitman, serving as producer and music supervisor for this film. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in my talk. So we do have Ivan Reitman <laughs> in there, who did work with Cronenberg early on in his career. Uh, music producer was just kind of given to him because it was just needle drop music. Like they couldn't, they didn't have the money to afford like actual tracks. So they just had needle drop type uh, public domain songs. So they just gave him the credit as a music supervisor because they're just like, yeah, just drop the needle and we'll record it. Uh, and that's what they gave him that yeah. thing for. Yeah, unlike later with The Bird, where he actually did have some music and created a score, right? Yeah, Tangerine Dream. Yeah, absolutely did. So he had more money than and had a bigger score with that. So uh, as we open up the movie, we're at the Starliner Towers on Starliner Island just off of Montreal. And Ronald Merrick is narrating to the audience about why you should move into this tower because it has full accommodations, full of 70s bachelor or couple accommodations. And we, in fact, see a young couple, (laughs) Swedens, arriving to meet with Mr. Merrick to walk around the tower and and show it off and see if they're good. But while this is happening, we have big old Dr. Emil Hobbs 
crashing into young Annabelle's apartment and trying to attack her as she's dressed like a schoolgirl. So he's chasing her around the apartment while the Swedens are being shown around. So it's a great juxtaposition between the both. You have a horror going on, and then you have the, the kind of calm, cool Mrs. Merrick showing them around. Hobb gets the upper hand on Annabelle and chokes her to death before he puts her onto the dining room table, stripping off both her clothes and his, grabbing a scalpel. He splits her open down the middle and begins to pour acid into her stomach before cutting his own throat and committing suicide. Meanwhile, hey, look at this. All right, we have two bedroom, one bedroom. We have a pool. We have everything that meets your accommodations. So, yeah, we're off to the races with what the fuck did I just watch? Like a dude put on gloves and he cut a woman in the stomach and poured acid into her, her abdomen. Yeah, and we have the perfect setup here with the commercial so that we're establishing that we're talking about a self-sustaining single tower on an island, a single mm-hmm. tower of apartments. And it's self-sustained. It has its own doctor, has its own dentist, has its own store, stores that are in there, has its own dry cleaning, has its own underground parking. You know, very much like uh, George Romero's, what was it, uh, Land of the Dead, where yep. the, they had yes. the, to- the tower complex. Dream. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, dream. you know, yeah, very much like this of a self-contained unit in there. You know, where also everyone that works there happens to also live there. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a yeah. very, very weird environment that they're creating straight off the bat here. You know, yeah, and the environment to me was a very, very important thing. Nice. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Yes, the ashtrays in the hallway. I didn't take it as everybody was. Was that the 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 idea is that everybody that lived there actually worked there too? Because I took it as like no, you, know, you could live no. there, but you, you could be working outside of the place. The commute. No, you yeah, could. I was saying I'm everyone sure. that. No, I said I said everyone that worked there lived there because the doctor lived there, the nurse gotcha, lived there, gotcha. the people that the people yeah. that worked in the shops they lived. You know, so yes, those yeah, so because, those that worked there lived there, including the guy that ran the place, the the property manager. You know, yeah, yes, that's yep. the, yeah, yeah. So yeah, strike that reverse that. because it, yeah. <laughs> what better way to show off your apartment building than by living there? But we had, we get introduced to Nick Tudor, uh, who is in one of the apartment. Uh, buildings you know and he is looking at himself in the bathroom mirror and he's suffering from stomach convulsions he doesn't know why he just knows that it hurts but he's just going to ignore it uh go out to eat breakfast in the dining room with his wife janine who's like hey i just want to spend time with you and hang out and he's like ah yeah no you know what i gotta go so i'm gonna (laughs) just take off in the elevator and just uh, see what happens so in the elevator he meets mr merrick who's showing the swedens uh, the building and he decides that he's going to go have a little fun with Annabelle. But unfortunately, Annabelle can't come to the door right now because she's fucking dead. And he oh, sees that her body is laid on the table, bloodied. He retches a couple times and then goes, I didn't see anything. <laughs> and he goes to work, you know, because he just <laughs> does want any part of it, even though that's his former lover who is now dead. He didn't get to see uh, Hobbs' body, but, of course, he's not going to care. So, Janine, what do you do in the 70s? You make friends with your neighbors. So, Janine has her friend, Betts, who's played by Barbara Steele, ah, the Italian Gothic Ooh. horror queen of the 1960s, Black Sunday, Castle of Blood. I can't recommend these movies enough. Uh, Pit and the Pendulum from 1961. She's in this movie ah, with Betts, playing the next-door neighbor. So hot. Kind of playing it coy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But kind of playing it coy with, with uh, Janine at first, telling her, hey, listen, Nick is suddenly changing Maybe you should go see the doctor who lives in the building. Just relax. They'll find out what's wrong with him. Maybe he won't be so uptight 
And, of course, when Nick arrives at work, he is fucking uptight. Like, he's almost in a trance walking to his office. The secretary doesn't really understand why the fuck he's being that way, but quickly closes the door, probably because of the paraplates in his stomach that we're going to get to. But, anyway, he's just not going to have any of it. goes to his office. And we cut back to the Starliner, and that's where we get introduced to Roger St. Luke, the doctor, the resident doctor, who is kind of Most cool and collected about the fact that just... <laughs> Oh, man, he's just so cool and just so like, oh, yeah, there's bodies, man, whatever, I'm hip, you hit, like, you know, it's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, listen, it's a murder suicide, obviously, we don't know, the detective's like, well, do you know them? No, I don't know, hardly knew the guy, you know, I mean, I talked to him a couple of times, I'm going to have lunch, you cool? You want a cigarette or something? No, cool, you know, it's just like so common fucking collected, and then he gets a phone call that he has to go to the office of Hobbs' medical partner, Robo Linsky. Uh, played by Ron Silver, or John Silver, rather. And this guy just loves pickles, loves his deli sandwiches, and just the fact that he's just explaining this whole thing to St. Luke pretty quickly, that Hobbs and Rollo are working on a project that involves a parasite that could take over the function of a human organ. So he also reveals, by the way, P.S., uh, Hobbs was a pedophile, kind of. You know, he had a little thing yeah. about examining a young girl's breast for cancer. Uh, that girl, by the way, 12. So that oh, explains dude. why she's wearing the schoolgirl outfit when Hobbs comes over, because he had a penchant for young girls, and she was trying to live up to his fantasy. And holy shit, okay. <laughs> One less pedophile out in the world. Kind of glad it happened that way. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. man, the whole, I know we kind of, like, breezed over the opening of this film and everything, but, like, the whole fucking thing kicks off bizarre as fuck, oh. man. You know, yep. this movie a girl. started, a girl, yeah. you know, I didn't even know that was a girl at first. I'm sitting there going to myself, why is he beating up this little boy? Um, it took me a little bit to <laughs> yeah. realize that it was a girl. Um, and then I was like, oh, shit, you know, he's wearing a, a dress and, and, oh, he's got, you know, kind of like fucking, uh, oh, what the fuck, man? Uh, just one of the, one of the guys, you know, it was like, oh, shit, she's got, right. you know, he's got right. tits. Um <laughs> You know, so it was a uh, quite quite a shocker, but yeah, they they interject all these like little little random elements that are just uh, yeah, they're, they're colorful, but quite bizarre, man. I, I, again, I, yeah. I don't know if it's Cronenberg writing this or or whoever or has the, the writing credit. Yeah, the, <laughs> everything in general gets real strange with the uh, the, the way they work these things. Yeah, towards the end, like, even around what did the rewatch, and we'll get to it. I was like, oh, fuck, this is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't remember being this weird. Yeah, no, but uh, we'll get to it. Um, so, the, yeah, what they were working on, essentially, is that if you have, like, a bad kidney, uh, they'll inject this parasite into your body. The parasite will kill the bad kidney, and then the body will assimilate that parasite into your body, so it will act as a brand-new kidney. It'll take a little blood from you, but in the grand scheme of things, you got a brand new kidney. So what are you complaining about? Uh, so that's what uh, the experiment was. We find out later that really wasn't the case at all, that Dr. Hobbs is playing everybody. Uh, so Tudor decides that he's going to leave work early because he's feeling sick from these convulsions. Even a secretary is like, go ahead, go on home. So when he arrives home, at the same time, Janine's visiting Dr. St. Luke and saying, yeah, need to meet with my husband. He's not feeling too well. I was like, oh, that's cool, man. All right. You know, like uh, maybe not Thursday, 10 o'clock. That work for you? All right. Take your gun, take your gun, take your gun. So, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, super laid back. Yeah. Apparently nobody sleeps in this building. You know, yeah, let me call up 930, 10 o'clock tonight. That cool? Well, okay. okay. You know, kind of, kind of have yeah. to sleep, but, you know, 
it's yeah. seven, it's it's Canada. It's the seventies. We don't fucking sleep. We just party. All right. Yeah, we just do coke and we party. It's fine. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the movie plays very much like a fucking seventies porn. Is is really oh, yeah, what, it what it comes <laughs> down to? I mean, he kind of he kind of made all this movie needed was a couple fuck scenes, and this could have easily been in any one of those theaters back in New York back in the day. You know, I, yeah, I mean, when we get to the fucky fucky later, you know, this is just kind of setting it up that it could be, has potential to be a 70s porno. Um, because once uh, Nick arrives home, he goes to the bathroom and starts puking up things that we can't tell. I mean, he doesn't puke in the toilet. Show that was where he puked right up into the fucking the tub. I was like, you, you couldn't use the, the toilet? It's right there, bud. That's, that, yeah, literally right there, man. I, I, I've yeah. been there. It happens. No. Don't, don't pick up, don't <laughs> you pick don't up on the guy. Again. Uh, you digress. Yeah, that but, is fine. But, it's, yeah. but that's all brand new shag. That's all brand new shag rug. You know, covering on the toilet. Brand brand new shag rug around the toilet. You know, he just getting blood yeah. all over. It, you know, that is all yeah. over that. You know, golden rod shit because you know everything is golden green in this movie, man, and just ruining it by puking all over the place. Mm-hmm. So at the same, once he pukes in the bathroom, he goes outside, kind of gets some fresh air. You know, just after he puked up all over the place. But he has to puke up one more time. And this time, it, whatever he's puking up lands onto the umbrella of an elderly uh, woman that's walking with her friend, hits the umbrella, bounces off, scurries off into the, the, uh, the grass. But I love the fact that when they wipe off the umbrella, they throw the tissues right on the ground. Like, whatever, fuck Dude, it. And they yes. just throw the... <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Yes. I was like, that's, that's just... They got a laugh out of me. I was like, oh, fuck these tissues. <laughs> Because they, you know, he 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 totally set up this joke. You know, you knew it was coming. The umbrella was see through. It's you know a canopy umbrella. And then when it, you know, and then when it happens, you know, she's talking about all the dead birds that are hit flying into the the, the skyrise building, and she's like, you know, oh, all those poor birds. It's like you're fucking living in the building that's killing the birds, bitch. You know, but yes, I noticed it too that after they wipe it all off, because it's the seventies. You know, everyone forgets that everyone littered so fucking bad, and you know they wipe all the blood off, and then they just throw them on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and then just move on with their day. Um, we see that at Doctor St. Luke's office, he has Nurse Forsyth, played by Lynn Lowry, you know, helping him out, and, and so beautiful, perfect for 1975. And we'll get into it uh, a little later on with her character. But he treats an elderly man by the name of Brad, who keeps complaining about these stomach lumps that he has, and. He just can't figure it out, and it hurts whenever he touches his abdomen. And he's like, well, I don't really know, uh, but it might have had something to do with Annabelle in 1511. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of fooling around, and she had the same kind of lumps, and you could even push him in and play around with him. It was kind of sexy. Like, I was like, oh, ugh, ugh. Uh, Why are you dude, playing with an yeah, STD? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it happens, man. I was like, all right. I mean, he's, obviously he's paying for it, so it doesn't matter. He can do whatever he wants, you know, and obviously she doesn't care. Um, so um, Janine talks to her friend Betts again and confides in her about Nick's behavior. Betts tells Janine to let Nick have some space and then kind of goes, hey, you kind of, you know what, you're kind of beautiful, you know that? And she's like, oh, shut up, whatever. Why do you have dinner with me tonight? You know, Philippe's. I don't ever like to eat alone because I always feel so fat and lonely. She's like, you got it. Finger guns, finger guns, finger guns. I'm going to do finger guns in this movie. But no, it's um, <laughs> just that beginning, like it's, that, it's that kind thing, of baby. sexual charge. <laughs> that sexual charge between Betts and, and Janine, as we'll see later on in the movie, but it's just kind of budding here where you can tell that she has a, a crush on, on Janine. Just 
hasn't really revealed it. Maybe she was going to reveal it at dinner that night. You know, let's leave your husband and run away with me. Who knows? Um, we might never find out. Uh, because when Janine returns to the apartment, Nick passed out by the refrigerator and he's covered in blood. So it's like, oh, shit. Like, this is kind of crazy. Why are you sick? Why is this happening? Covered. And then you have two kids running around playing pranks and they're knocking on the, uh, the mailboxes and doors until they reach the Tudor apartment and one of the parasites comes out of the mail slot. It's sickening! It's sickening! <laughs> like, that's just a running down the hallway. Like, that's all she could think about. And I would probably say the same thing if I saw a blood parasite coming out of a, somebody's mailbox. And I'm running away <laughs> screaming the same thing. Um, so Nick just tells her not to worry about it, whatever. I'm alone. I'm going to do what I want. But once you find him alone and he's looking at the lumps as they start to come up into his stomach, he's kind of encouraging them. So, come on, boy. Come on, boy. There you go. There you go. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. And blah, 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 you know, what, you know, playing around in his stomach. And he's like, yeah, I'm so proud. Oh, man. I'm like a proud old mama and with my blood. Yeah, but... And it's a really cool effect here, man. Like, it's real obvious it is, how they yeah. did it. You know, it's, a, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a Tom Savini kind of trick, you know, but yeah. it's, it's still a cool effect of, you know, the just how much rising and falling you're seeing here, you know, and the fact that he's actually, you know, moving his arms and his, you know, yeah. neck around. Um, and then immediately afterwards, you know, he gets up, you know, and, you know, because his wife comes in and checks in on him, you know, quickly, and he actually turns, you know, so it's an effect that, you know, they've done well that he's able to move the entire thing and then lay back down again and go back to doing the, you know, bubble, bubble. <laughs> so very, very mm-hmm. cool. And I, I did bubble, accidentally, bubble, I kind of overshot bubble. it, but, um, yeah, so we have uh, – Dr. St. Luke coming in to, to visit um, and his nurse, because there's a weird kind of sexual thing with them where it's kind of like they're a couple, but Dr. St. Luke is more concerned about his cases. I'm a doctor, damn it. I don't have time for romance, even though she's kissing him and he, saying, no. yes, and, you know, I just don't have time for that. Yeah, he's all laid back, man. He knows he can get it any time, so he doesn't need to. Yeah. He's, on, he's on the case right now, baby. He ain't got time for love. <laughs> no, because he's looking at the case files of Hobbs and, and Rollo Linsky. So he's looking through them, and Rollo calls uh, St. Luke. And while they're talking on the phone, you see Forsyth casually go over to the closet and then just begin to strip off all her clothes because she has to put on her casual nightwear. So out of the nurse uniform into the casual nightwear, and I'm just enjoying it. I'm like, how are you not looking at her the entire time you're on the phone? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, she's stripping off all her clothes. I, I'd be like, excuse me? Yeah, I'll call you back, Rollo. I have to finish up this show. <laughs> it's just, it was amazing mm-hmm. to, to see that happening because Linsky is telling uh, Dr. St. Luke at this point that Hobbs lied, that he had been playing all of them, that he wasn't planning on having these parasites uh, helping any kind of bad organs. Uh, instead, he kind of wanted to create a mindless orgy. Because man is an animal who thinks too much. And he has this idea of creating a parasite that's a combination of an aphrodisiac and a venereal disease. And then everybody that gets this parasite will just fuck. And that's it, because that's all we need. We just need to go back to the primal uh, you know, way that we were, where we're just about fucking and sucking and you doing all that stuff. In the, you got to believe in the power of fuck. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Annabelle was the, the guinea pig for this experiment. He infected her with a parasite through sexual contact, but she got out of control and he killed her because he just realized, I, no, you know what? I was wrong, and I don't want to have anybody else infected uh, with the parasites. So that's why he poured the acid into her stomach 
to, to get rid of it. But obviously it didn't work that way because Dr. St. Luke is like, oh, by the way, she whored around a lot in this apartment. She's got a, a yeah, lot of she, people that she was messing around with. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, she was a, she was a popular girl. <laughs> but but, but that's, why, that's, that's why he slit his own throat at the beginning is, you know, so he couldn't be infected as well, you know, mm-hmm. stuff killing shit off. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I didn't, I didn't take it as so he couldn't be infected. I mean, I took it as just so he didn't no. have to take responsibility for Except it. Except the consequences, you know? yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I just don't think he wanted oh, to accept okay. the, his fate. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, like the ghoul said, I think he just didn't want to accept the fact that he fucked up, you know, and that he made a mistake, and then he's going to have to answer to it. Because he lied to everybody, you know, so the truth's going to come out one way or another. So, yeah, I'm out of here. Slice in my throat. Um, so, Betts is in the bathtub, soaking, relaxing, unaware that a parasite has forced its way through the plug hole of her bathtub. And it's heading right into the V zone, right into the, the right oh. in between the posts. <laughs> her vagina. Yeah. You know, her, her wicked jai jai. So uh, Betts screams and struggles as the bathtub water turns into red, thrashing in agony. And once that bath water is drained, Betts awakens infected, steps out of the tub onto broken glass, and leaves the bedroom. Just as the waiter from Felipe is arriving with the meals for Betts and Janice. But this is like the fucking perfect 70s type of meal where there's cloches covering all the food and it's got a candle in there and it's just a classy, classy joint. But the waiter doesn't know how to move a cart. So it takes him a while because it's just, he doesn't really know how Jeez, to move it. Man. The wheels are stuck. <laughs> it takes him forever to wheel this cart in. As he's wheeling it down the hallway, we see an old woman who had been infected earlier in the laundry room. Now she has makeup on, she's got lipstick on, and she's hungry for love. I'm hungry for love. He's like, dude, no, no, no. And she grabs him and takes him into her apartment to ultimately infect him and make him one of the sex-crazed maniacs. And I was like, I felt so bad for that guy. Just try and deliver a meal, man. You know, this isn't the right porno. You know, any other porno, she would have been hot, and she would have, you know, she would have major like yabos, you know, look at those tadals, but instead it's like, no, it's an old woman. <laughs> no, but that's but that's also one of the great yeah. things about this movie is that not everyone's hot, not everyone's pretty, man. You know, oh, and yeah, it's know. fucking yeah. ever, you know, and it affects everyone. <laughs> it does, yeah, exactly the same. Um, so Forsyth is back at the apartment and she's preparing a meal for her and Doctor Saint Luke, which includes this horribly, horribly burned roast. And she's like, mm, "Perfect!" I'm like, "Oh my god, that thing is black <laughs> and just what, what happened." Like, walk me through the steps. Like, what happened? Why do you think this is perfect? Because this is horrible. Like, just put it back in the other. Just pretend like you didn't do it. Just like, I don't know. I found it that way. Like, just do something. You know, just deny the accountability that you, you burn this thing and that the, the smoke alarm should be going off. Cover it in gravy. <laughs> just cover yeah, it in gravy. It. Yeah. Where's the ketchup? Ketchup covers everything. Ketchup solves everything. So, um, so anyway, as she's she's just happy that she's making a meal for her and Dr. St. Luke, a sex crazed man that's infected comes and tries to attack her in the apartment, and she reaches for the meat fork and manages to stab him. Interesting fact about that is that was David Cronenberg standing in for the actor to get stabbed, so they put a piece of pad over his shoulder to protect him from getting hurt. Well, what happened? She missed and she hit his shoulder. Bad completely missing the pad because it was not uh, big enough. So he has a scar to this day from that. 
Yeah. What are you going to say, Joel? <laughs> yeah, so that's... Many to your Yeah, so, you know, she runs out, you know, screaming, of course, because she was just survived an attack. Um, the man's gone, but, of course, the blood and the fork are left behind. So when she meets up with Dr. St. Will, tells him about what happened, he goes back to the apartment looking around, and he manages to get a sample uh, of the blood from the fork. So he could have it examined because, again, he's still in investigation mode. He's still trying to figure out what's going on. So while he's doing that, an old French couple walking down the hallway gets attacked by the parasite. He climbs up the old oh, lady's oh, walking oh. frame and burns <laughs> her arm. So, and I, just, I love this couple because they're just old and they're sweet. And, like, you know, you don't want it to happen to them. Like, you don't want them <laughs> to be infected because they're just so nice and these just – they're confused. They don't know what's going on. They're like, I'm so scared. And, like, you know, just it's okay. You know, Foresight will stay with you. Uh, where did you put the parasite? I dumped it in the dumpster. Okay, well, I'm going to go look in the trash because I want to find out if I can find this dead parasite and, and search through there. So he's going to look for it. Because so, what better way to have a, a prime example of something to examine than an actual dead parasite? I mean, it's so much better than just blood, you know, when you actually have the thing to look at and to open up and, and see what makes it tick. So while that's happening, a mother and daughter are in an elevator, you know, waiting to get to wherever they're going. And as the doors open, they're attacked by the infected uh, Felipe's waiter. Why it's weird is because the daughter is maybe like 10 years old. So she's yeah. roughly 10, I would say. Yeah, and, well, no, we start getting into some weird things. shit. That's one yeah, of the things that I was going to, to bring up earlier and said I was going to wait on is that, you know, Given the time frame of 1975 for there to be, uh, one, uh, sexual connotation and apparent sex acts uh, with children, but also, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, there also was some, some blatant girl-on-girl uh, -girl action expressed as well. And for this, in 1975, yeah. uh, in its yeah. time, uh, quite, uh, you know, quite interesting to see uh, this type of content for its time frame, and that's what, those are the, some of the things I was referring to earlier in the discussion. On screen, oh, yeah. I, I would yeah. think, but, you know, when we think back mm. to the coming off of the 60s and, and the early 70s, you know, free love was its thing, and, and it didn't matter. Sex revolution. Man on man, yeah. woman on woman, you know, that, that, that was all part of this, and we're in Canada. It was, but you so, don't so think that. You are know, a little bit different Canada. <laughs> it's a different place, different time, you know, but it, it's, it's not lucky now, especially, especially with the child. Yeah, especially, yeah, you guys, it's brand new for you, and I was like, I wonder how they're going to feel about it, because it's brand new to you guys, even though, you know, but seeing a young girl that you know is turning into a sex crave maniac because of this parasite. It's, 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 uh, it's the 70s, though. That, that's how I was seeing yeah, it. Like, sure. right, yeah, It's the 70s. They got away with this kind of shit, and uh, it's the kind of shit that now you know, would create all kinds of, of an uproar, you know? Oh, you're, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you're showing this to children. Oh, you're, you're condoning this. Oh, the perverts are going to watch yeah. this. And yep. They're going to get off mm -hmm. on it. But, but, hey, let's put on another fucking episode of Dance Moms and, and, and complain about shows like fucking Cuties, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, and, but, um, but and then also with this scene, it's just because uh, again, you know, they got away with more stuff in the seventies, and then you see her turning into a sex crave monster, jumping out of the elevator herself, mushing on guts and all that kind of stuff, which pretty much just looked like cherry pie, you know. But but then she herself, uh, the girl, 
goes and attacks a man because they all dog, dog pile on a man that's in the hallway, yeah. and mm-hmm. and then you, you you see her lean over the guy and then give the you know kiss uh, doing the you know exchange of bodily fluids that's needed for you know transmitting the space lugs. Right, it's with a kiss. So yeah, we we you jumped ahead a little bit, um, but yeah, so we we do see that when she's infected later when she kills the security guard, not kills him, but she infects him, uh, and it's a kiss that gets you infected. So she is the one to kiss the security guard. Um, but uh, Nick confronts Janine at a certain point and says, you know, I, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling good, you know, and you're my wife and I want you to make love to me. And she's like, uh, no, cause there's things moving around your stomach. I'm not really, I'm not really into it. So I don't really want to do that. And he's like, well, no, you're my wife and you have to. And he kind of forces himself on her uh, um, yeah, to the point where she's like, you know what? I will but I have to go put my contacts in because I want to see you better. Uh, so let me have this chance. And she actually fucking does it. It's not like I'm saying I need to put my contacts in and then I'm going to bolt out and run. So she actually goes to the bathroom and puts her contacts in. So it's like, oh, she's that kind of way. She actually like, only even puts them <laughs> Well, because she gets so upset by the whole thing that she just can't. Like, she's emotionally just, ah, nope. So tries to put both in, only gets one in, returns to the bedroom where Nick is. He's rolled over onto his side away from her. But we could see that there is a parasite coming out of his mouth, and, you know, dripping blood yeah. onto the bed. And without, without really properly seeing it, she panics, runs the fuck out of there to Betsy's apartment, where she does the slow-mo sex turn, because you know that she oh, is infected. Oh, yeah. So you get that slow-mo, <laughs> sexy Barbara Steele turn. Um, and meanwhile, St. Luke is in the basement trying to find the dead parasite, but he's attacked by a maintenance man who he has to beat to death with a tire iron. So... No luck on the parasite, but he did kill a maintenance man. So that's one person out of the way. Uh, we don't have to worry about um, Just as the power lines, of the phone lines are cut by somebody that we don't see, just see the, the tools being used to cut them. Because as this is all going down, Forsyth is still at the French couple's apartment, kind of freaked out and not really knowing what to do. She tries to call the police, but the phone lines have been cut. So you know what? Uh, fuck you guys. I'm out of here. Wait, you can't leave. But no, I can't. Because I really need to find my boyfriend at this point. I need to find the Dr. St. Luke because he's, he's going to be there. So you guys will be fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, really? Okay. So as she goes to look for St. Luke, she finds a dead maintenance man. St. Luke goes to Merrick's office, and he tells him to call the police. But, of course, again, phone lines have been cut. But for some reason, he could phone the French couple and tell them that uh, – have the husband tell them that Forsyth went in shirts of him. So stay where you are. It's going to be fine. But it's not going to be fine. Because a mob of sex crazed maniacs barges into their apartment with the husband yelling, please leave us alone. I'm like, leave them alone, guys. There's plenty of there's plenty of dick and plenty of pussy in this apartment complex. Leave the old people alone. They just want to be French and die old in their apartment, as they should, because they don't deserve that kind of treatment. But of course we'll see them later. They do pop up. Um, so in the basement, St. Luke finally reaches North for, Nurse Forsyth, but she's being raped uh, by an infected security guard, as we saw earlier, who got the kiss from the young girl. A uh, little bit too late, but he manages to shoot the security guard in the back, killing him uh, with a gun that he had taken from the guard in the struggle. And as this is happening, another one of the, the sex trace maniacs gets into a car and tries to drive off because that gun, you know, going off scared the shit out of him. So now he has to go. Um, it's, just, it's one of those things where once you see it happen, with Forsyth being attacked in the car, you know that she's infected. I mean, at least that's the way I thought about it, even the first time I saw it. I was like, she's gone. Like, that, that security no, guard course. put it into her mouth. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, at first, 
St. Luke doesn't think about that, but you can see the blood all over the bottom of her, her jaw. So you know that yep. it happened, you know, but St. Luke doesn't really think about it because he doesn't have time to because they have to, to get out of there. So while all this is happening, you have Merrick showing up and talking to a couple that show up to talk about the disturbances he's been having uh, in the building. Oh, don't worry about it, guys. Why don't you just come back to my office? We'll talk about it. We'll all figure it out. As soon as they get back to Merrick's office, there's a bunch of people just dry humping on each other. And, oh, shit, they're locking the door. And, oh, shit, now we're going to be infected, too. What the fuck is going and, on? Oh, shit. And, all these people and just... oh, shit, Merrick was infected. That was the yes, one he was. that surprised yep. me. You know, like, yeah, that, he I was. thought they yeah. played very well because, you know, he kept, like, they didn't give you any kind of clues to it. He didn't have blood on him. Like, he played off like he was normal, and then the second he brings him in there, it's all pounce, pounce, pounce. You guys are, are, are literally and figuratively fucked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Forsyth and St. Luke decide that they're going to hide in the basement. We'll just hide in the basement until this all blows over. Uh, the police are going to come eventually. Let's just hide out here. So they're safe for now. Uh, but meanwhile, in Beth's apartment, she's comforting Janine and stroking her hair and leaning in close. And she tells Janine that she's always had a crush on her. And I just want to kiss you. I want to kiss you. And she pulls her close for the kiss. And we see the parasite exchange bubbling oh. throat after being passed by Betts. Again, it's an effect that you could easily achieve, you know, that Tom Savini could have done. But I just love seeing it bubble up in Betts' throat and then go into Janine so you know that it took place. That she now joins yeah. the <laughs> But. I mean, this, this scene uh, right now, when Linsky arrives at the Starliner Towers to meet with Dr. St. Luke and go over the notes and go over everything that happened, this is probably my favorite scene in the movie, uh, aside from the ending, when Linsky is walking around Tudor's apartment and finds Tudor laying in his bed. He goes to check on his stats and check to see if he's still breathing, which he is, but when he pulls back the covers, you see he's just covered in bloody parasites. Just yeah. going off of the stomach, and one latches onto his face, and oh God, it's burning! It's burning! It's burning! You know, as he runs into the kitchen with a pair of pliers to try to pry off his face. He oh does, man, this part! I was, fu- I was yeah. fucking rolling, just, man. He like you know, because there's tools there, and he's actually like throws it in the sink and just try to beat the fuck out of it in the sink. Yeah. <laughs> die, die, die! And it's, like, and it's not over those like, pliers. They're like shiny, brand-new-ass flyers, too, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so as he's doing this and, and screaming over and over again, uh, Nick shows up and realizes what's going on. He doesn't want those parasites to die, so he eventually starts getting the upper hand on Linsky and beating him in the face with whatever tools he could find as Linsky's like, tutor, 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 you know, kind of fading away. And what does Nick do? He crams the parasite back into his mouth, kind of like he owns it. That's my fucking parasite, not yours. Delicious. And just shoves it back into his mouth. So, um, we have to catch up with Forsyth, and we have to so. catch up with St. Luke at this point. So, uh, Forsyth and uh, St. Luke are in the basement, and Forsyth is relating a dream that she had, telling him that she had a dream of an old man uh, that was kind of getting with her sexually. And at first she was kind of revulsed and just disgusted, but then the old man told her that, Old flesh is erotic flesh. That disease is the love of two alien kinds of creatures for each other. That even dying is an act of eroticism. So while everybody's like, oh, no, okay. But that's when we see a parasite crawling out of her mouth. She screams a little bit as it comes out. Oh. And what the same with Dude punches her right in the face. And, 
through the greatest <laughs> fucking scene in this movie. Okay, I rewound this and rewatched it like three or four fucking times. Okay, I even had Sam come in here so that because you know what, I started cracking up. Like I started laughing like so fucking hard, like harder than I probably should have, considering what the scene like was showing. But like you know what, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I had to show this to somebody that that would have eyes of like today's society, and I really mm-hmm. didn't think about it because it's one of my kids, and of course they're gonna have the same <laughs> fucking warped mentality as me. Um, so so yeah, so I put it on and, and and she's watching it and she starts fucking cracking up too and she's like, wow, he did that so like and I believe her word was like so nonchalant like it was just, <laughs> just like it's so it's like something that he does all the time like he just literally just like grabs her and just pop like it was fucking nothing and it was so fucking glorious and so fucking funny and so 70s you know like again wasn't even so upset about much it. of this movie just it, just it just screams the 1970s so oh, man, like, yeah. I, I went to work this morning and was talking about this movie and of course that's the scene that like I had to bring up and like explain yeah. it like fucking vivid detail to everybody and they're all like oh my god I gotta go home and fucking try to find that shit <laughs> it's available on Tubi they can watch it for free you know so they can check that scene yeah he does it so casually and so nonchalantly he's not even upset about it he doesn't like shrug her hair afterwards and he's like I'm so sorry I had to do that he's like no I gotta put a, a thing around her mouth so I don't get infected so I'm gonna tie you know a bandana around her mouth and lead her into this hallway filled with pallets you know and uh, people hiding behind them like a haunted house. Storage, the, <laughs> trying to get the, those, were, those were actually the storage units for the apartment. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, I just, I, I just kept laughing at it because you have all these sex crazy people, including David Cronenberg, who shows up in a cameo wearing a, tank, a blue tank top. The first guy that you see that pops out. You try to reach for them as they're going through. And then you see the one naked girl with her, her titties all out as she tries to get yeah. them. You know, it's, just, it's a sex crazy <laughs> mess. And they get separated. Forsyth and, and Satan will get separated. Uh, Forsyth is infected at this point, so she just starts dry humping whatever she can find. I mean, she doesn't need to be saved. Like, she's fine with yeah. just fucking and sucking. Like, you know, it's you, uh, you know, St. Luke has to get away. Uh, so he reaches Tudor's apartment, and he encounters Tudor kneeling over Linsky's dead corpse. And he's like, you shot my, you killed my friend? I'm going to kill you. Pop, 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 pop. You want the gun. You know, he kills Tudor dead, and Tudor just falls on top of him dead. Yeah, again, <laughs> though, no pause, no thing. hesitation. Just pop, no. pop, pop. It's like all of a sudden we find out, you know, that the doctor is not so smooth and chill after all. He has no. a limit, and that yeah. limit has been reached. He is done he with, that <laughs> putting up with people's shit. <laughs> and then he finds out that there's no exit. Like, all the exits are blocked and locked, and he can't get out. So the fucking crazier thing happens is he goes into the stairwell and you're arf, 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 arf. And what the fuck is that? And then these two redheaded girls come Dude. out with uh, leashes around their necks and they're like, arf, arf. Like, okay, can we take a second, doctor? Can we just take a second to figure out what the fuck's going on? No, we got to go? Okay. Yeah, we're leaving. We're going. And then, <laughs> so I was like, are they being held by somebody? Are they not? Like, where do they come from? We don't have time. He has to get out of this fucking building. Uh, yes, so, there's a person. There's a person holding them, holding the leash yeah. for the two oh, I know. girls. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, yeah, you can it's see it. A, it's just that there's no explanation for it. It's just, it's just there, and it's like what the fuck? Like, you know, but again, you know, it's, it's like a, the fucking it, scene in The Shining with the fucking the dog and the blowjob. You know, oh, the dog like, blowing hey, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
trying to find the exit, Roger St. Luke, he eventually finds this gay couple. And, again, I don't even think they were infected. I just think they were there for a good time because they're just like, hey, what's going on, man? You want to you party? You want to party, guy? Huh? No? You cool? You cool? No? Okay, well, we're, we're going to go elsewhere. I'm like, no, they were not infected. They were just gay and living in the moment and having a good time. Like, they, they were just, uh, you know, I don't know about that, man. They, uh, I, yeah. just, I love to think about it. They just, they just showed just up one day, around and all of a sudden, everybody's fucking and sucking. Yeah. They showed up that day to look at an apartment, and everybody's fucking and sucking. They're like, all right, party. All right. All right. Yeah, whose ass am I getting into tonight? I don't know. Let's just see. So... They're not getting. Uh, and and, and you said apartment. to move to Florida. <laughs> I told you. I told you Canada was the way to go. <laughs> they got everything. We could just hump it. Nobody's going to stop us. <laughs> like, damn. They've made the right decision by going to start Leonard Towers. Um, so St. Luke locks himself into an apartment that's open. So he locks the door and he turns around. And there's like a 99-year-old man going, Hello, have you met my daughter? Her name is Etika. Oh. I like it very much. And then they make out. And it's like, oh, God, <laughs> get out of the apartment. Yeah. Please. It's like, oh, it's, oh, it's Canadian you know, Rob Zombie. Listen, he's a, he's a fucking, I don't know about that, man. It's ahead of his time, dude. If you fucking, you know, like I always say, you can always see what's going on in society if you look at porn. And if you follow the porn trends right now, man, that is fucking where all of that shit is. Oh, it's a big it's deal. weird. It's a big deal. <laughs> that shows up on the whole It is a bizarre fucking thing, When you just thing, open man. it up. Yeah, you yep. open up that porn page, and that's the first thing that pops up. Like, you don't have to search for it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, no, you don't have to search for it at all. Not so, at all. So, so St. Luke, you know, running away from the old man and his daughter Erica, makes his way to the indoor swimming pool where we see the infected Betts and Janine fooling around and hugging and kissing and just having a good time. Fuck that. He's got to find a way out of here. So he finds his way to an open patio door and walks out. So he's like, all right, I did it. I'm free. I could just go now. I could get away from the sex crazed maniacs that are running around. Um, but once he runs out of there, he runs up a grass and river embankment and like a fucking Romero moment happening when you see all these it. people coming down the grass embankment, just advancing on him. You know, they're not rushing him. They're not trying to get him that fast. They're just walking towards him because they know where he's going to go. He's being forced to retreat back into the pool area. And once he is back in the pool area, who shows up but the old French couple, and the husband is the one that pushes him into the pool with the old woman's walking <laughs> friend. So he gets knocked into the pool, and everybody descends into the pool. The whole mob is jumping in there. But then we have a moment where we see Forsyth in this purple outfit to expose off you know, her stomach, and she just does that slow turn, just very just cool, very just sexy the way she does that, that slow turn. And then she gets her way over to where St. Luke is, and he realizes, I don't have a choice. Like, I, I can't, you know, I can't fight these people off anymore, so what am I going to do? I'm going to let her kiss me. And I just love the way Cronenberg did it, because it was all in slow motion. You see it happening, and at the same time, you don't really feel like he lost. Like, you don't, because these people aren't killing each other. They just want to fuck, and they just want to suck, and they want to do that. That's all they want to do. So you don't really see it as so much of good losing to evil, so much as just succumbing to the sexual revolution is the way I always took it as. So it's not like the, the invasion of the pod people. Where it's clearly the aliens yeah. fucking won there. Uh, this is more like, you know what, just, just be who you are, be primal, and be sexual, 
so when you see that kiss, like I didn't exactly feel bad for him. Like I'm like, no, no, you know, he he needed to get away, because as we see in the final scene at 5:26 a.m., just as dawn is arriving, there's a radio announcement describing a wave of unexplained sexual assaults across Montreal and the surrounding areas, which may have originated at the Starline Towers, and that the authorities, as well as the Centers for Disease Control, are looking up as a possible epidemic of some sort. And we get that final shot of all the cars leaving Starline Starliner Towers going into Montreal to infect the city and the rest of the world. So the rest of the world is going to reach. Yeah. It's such (laughs) a great fucking ending. I don't know. A ghoul, Dean, I don't know how you thought about that ending, but I thought it was like the perfect way to end it. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of Night of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no happy ending here. Like off they go in Montreal, uh, which is a great party city uh, is going to, you know, be turned up even more so than usual. I did also like that apparently in the pool scene, it was just mostly a lot of crew members, uh, many of which just yeah. took off their crew, their clothes to, to jump in, into the pool. Yeah. In, in that yeah, what is it? Is it, again, I don't know if it's a defeat. I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. Because this isn't a thing that's, that they're killing people. They're not murdering anybody. They're just fucking... And they're having a good time. So that's why I said if we had seen them kill more, I would have been like, okay, well, they're obviously violent. No, they just want to have a good time. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in 75. There's a lot of coke laying around. There's a lot of drugs. You know, there's parasites <laughs> that want to fuck you. I mean, what a time to be alive. I mean, what a time. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, so that's how it ends. You know, um, went by fucking so many different titles. Uh, you know, they came from within. The Parasite Murders, Orgy of the Blood Parasites, and then eventually arriving on Shivers for the American release. Uh, what was funny was that there was a, a, a journalist that was in Canada at the time, and he wrote an article about Shivers, and he said that, you know, this movie is awful, and you have nobody to thank but yourselves because you paid for it, because it was paid through taxpayer money in Canada. So a lot of people got upset about it, but what the author didn't realize in the article was that this fucking movie was big for David Cronenberg. They made, you know, they made back their investment, plus some. So they paid back the Canadian taxpayers with that money. So who's complaining now? But unfortunately, it almost ruined Cronenberg's career before he even got started, even for him to move out of his apartment because it got that bad. He couldn't afford it because nobody would hire him. But luckily, he, you know, he managed in 77 to make Rabbit and then The Brood and Videodrome and Crash. And he has a movie coming out this year, Crimes of the Future, which was a short that he made back in the early 70s. So Cronenberg has not gone away. He's still there, and I can't wait to see that movie. And I'm so glad that you guys like Shivers. But unfortunately, uh, we have to end the episode, and we have to go to the Monkeys film pick of the week. For next week, what are we talking about? Why did you say unfortunately? <laughs> we have to end the episode. Yeah, next month, uh, you know, don't forget, May, free comic book day is coming up in May. So to celebrate. So to celebrate free comic book day, I am doing a comic book inspired horror pick. All right, so we are going to do Hardware from 1990, which was mm. yeah very loose, I'm aware loosely of based one. on a, a Judge Dredd uh, short story, which we will get into next week. Yeah, that's uh, Richard Stanley who did the Color Out of Space, who directed Hardware. So interesting. Because we did cover the color out of space on this show. So this is his movie from 1990. So we're going to get into it uh, next week and talk about it, uh, see where we land on it. So 
Dean, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's episode, and thank you for liking Shivers. As I said earlier, we'll see you back here next week for hardware. Oh, you're welcome. Hardware. Yay. This is so exciting, and I can't wait to have this discussion about hardware next week on Talking Turf. Hardware. Hardware, indeed. <laughs> and, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us and also, again, for enjoying Shivers. And we're going to see you back here next week for Hardware, your film pick of the week. Can't wait. Yep. Tonight's episode of Talking Terror was brought to you by Google Glide because you never know when you're going to find yourself in a space zombie orgy. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode and letting us come in your ears. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Google, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Hey, stay scared, everybody. Just stay scared and stay sexual. It's everything <laughs> sexual. sexual. It's the new flesh. <laughs> Long live the new flesh, as Cronenberg would say in video drum. And again, go. I'm thankful that you liked it. I know you didn't land too well on uh, Rabbit, but again, I can't blame you with that one because that's a, a niche one. But this one, a little bit more fun. I think he was having just a lot more fun, you know, with. Uh, the sexual exploits of blood parasites and how they create orgies, which is not a bad thing. Like I said, how you know, you if you're at home, grab your girl, grab your husband, do whatever you want. Just have fun. Explore each other. Play a game of, of you know, shivers. Pretend like there's a blood parasite. That's like, ooh, it infected me. Ooh, let's have sex. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, just lay it on there. You know, you might only be by yourselves, but at the same time, just pretend like there's more people there. Like, who's that watching over in the corner? I don't know. You know, do something fun, you know, with your partner. Change it up every now and then. Put a leather face Break mask in your bedroom and see what happens. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. And we'll see you back here next week for Hardware from 1990.